Hi, I'm John Alvin. You're listening to Jack and Luke on the OCR Audio. I'm Leon Kofo, the reigning OCR European Short Course Champion, and you're listening to OCR Audio. I'm Steve Hammond from Spartan Race, and you're listening to OCR Audio. Gonna be an epic show! And, uh, you know, I can go on a 10 mile run and get uh, 22, 2,500 feet a game. Nice. So, Just by running up and down silt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's sandy, it's soft, uh, develops a lot of leg power. Um, and then it's, it, like I said, it's undulating and there's nothing straight. So um, I think that's what translates to OCR the best because uh, I'm never, I'm not, a ro- I'm not a road runner at all. So like, you never open up, I'm never running fast paces, but every step you're working. So I, I think that's that's some some secret of success. But I'm lucky, even though it's cold as heck up here, um, in the winters because I'm in the ocean, we don't get a lot of snow. So I'm running on, you know, I've had had to do one run in two inches of snow once this year, and that's it. Mm, so, not bad. Yeah, everybody else is coming from. Snow. Whatever you're doing is obviously working, Ryan. Let's be honest, though. Isn't oh, it? I guess. <laughs> Jack. Yo. Spoiler alert. Go for we it. To, we need to a spoiler alert for this episode. Why is this? Well, what if there's some people that have shut themselves away for the weekend and haven't seen Spartan yet? If they if they've shut themselves away, and don't know the results of last week's Spartan. Shame on you! <laughs> <laughs> you honestly, Ryan, um, we had uh, Ryan Kent on a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I said before we left the podcast, I said how likely was it that there'd be the three Ryans, meaning Ryan Atkins, Ryan Woods, Ryan Kent, on the podium this year? And he said to us, the last thing he said was. First race of the season, there's going to be three rides on the, on the on the podium. How right, but so wrong was he? <laughs> was, uh, three rides, but just one that no one was really thinking of. No, nope, it's kind of left me out, and yeah, you know, it's fine. You know, I don't come from an endurance background, and there was no reason for anybody to expect that uh, um, I could have put up this performance based on previous results. You know, if you knew me and knew where I came from and what I've been doing for work, it may be. Uh, may have believed in me a little bit but um you know it's uh, i guess the dark horse whatever came from behind and get it done it was freaking awesome yeah it it was awesome um i will say it was i saw an opportunity a couple months ago um you know i know woods was going to be i knew he was going to be fast i knew he was going to be the one to beat he's just uh, and he's he's been motivated he's been putting a lot of work and on a flat course like that that's you know that that's his drive but, you know, you, I was watching, um, you know, Atkins is doing this big mountain bike thing leading up to a race, which, you know, he's fit as heck. Killian is, uh, they all did the, the ultra and they didn't have much of an off season. And it's not that they're not fit, but it's to the point in this sport that you really have to specify to the race to win. You know, everybody is so close as far as being fit that, you got to focus on a race, put it all into that race and figure out what that race is going to take to win. Um, and I think I was just <laughs> fortunate that I don't, I don't think many people were taking this race um, as their number one, a race in the series. Um, mm-hmm. maybe Except for you. Except for me. <laughs> I think Woods did as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Woods, I mean, obviously it was DQ'd, which sucks. It's kind of mm. bullshit, but um, he also got, I, they didn't really catch on the live feed, but he got caught in the barbed wire. Like, oh, I've seen the pictures. Oh, of his, I saw it. his leg, like, is in the barbed wire. Yeah, my brother was running along us. He actually had to help him get out. His leg literally flipped over the top of the barbed wire. He rolled down that hill, and it literally was like yanking on him. Oh, he really had to rip it out. So he he lost thirty seconds to a minute there. Um, so that's why he was coming from behind. It would have been really interesting if he didn't get caught up. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> you're all very close in that tire flip i suppose uh yeah i think it um uh, I, I think, they were nowhere well, near you <laughs> well, i watched that there. live feed <laughs> yeah i think if woods didn't get caught up i don't think there would have been much to separate us because mm. um, you know in racing there hat you have to make a move at some point to create that gap and once you create that gap you can keep it but if there's never that opportunity to create the gap, it's very hard to separate from someone. And I don't know if Woods didn't get caught up there. If he's, you know, obviously he's technically much faster than I am. I don't think we would have separated on the flats like I did from Atkins. Cause that's where I created the gap from Atkins was after the bucket. Yeah. 
or sandbag, whatever, I took off a little bit and that built a little cushion. But I don't think Woods and I would have had any cushion from each other. And um, it, the race would have probably hurt a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a push. So yeah. right at the end of the race, when uh, when you were flipping that tire, um, yeah. was that your brother shouting at you from the crowd to get that yeah. over? Yeah, we hear, because we were watching the live TV and all you could hear was, Woo! Woo! Oh, man, I needed it. I needed it. The first flip was easy. Um, because you got the tire, yeah? Yeah, the dry, it was dry the day before. And literally, um, when we were going through the new obstacle beater, mm-hmm. um, the gas started to mist. So everything started getting this light coat. And it's, you know, it's that thing. If, if it's something soaking wet from the rain, it, you know, it's wet, but you kind of get through it. But when you get that light mist on something, yeah. it just it gets slippery, whether the oils are still on it. Yeah. So I flipped it over, lowered it on my hands, and just, uh, I like to just lower and pop back up like uh, the bottom of a deadlift. And as soon as it went up, my hand just slipped right out from underneath it. And oh. I, had a, I had a panic for a second because that, I, think you, I think we had you swear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that ground was really soft. And you know, when the, the, that heavy tire sits in the soft ground, mm-hmm. like it's very hard to find a gap. And luckily, there was a little gap over to the left. I was able to I actually couldn't even grab it with my fingertips at that point. I had to literally shove my hand and kind of brace my wrist. And then, uh, you know, once you get up to your knee, you're all set. But yeah, yeah that was, uh, that was a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it. And then it was up the A-frame. You had a little, little kind of uh, cheer at the top. How did that feel to uh, take the victory? Uh, that felt pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could tell. That was pretty epic. You know, I, yeah, I, I just actually made a, a post. And I'm not one to let out that much emotion. Um, I actually quote a, a high school coach of mine who's a really big inspiration of mine that, you know, it's, you, you never want to get too high or too low, stay on that heel and always act like you've been there. And that doesn't mean, you know, not cocky, like I've been there, but you know, you're not, don't always over celebrate, you know, act like you belong and you've been there before. But, you know, I've had so many people tell me, you know, you can't do this or don't, don't race this way. And I, the, the most exciting thing was I did this all on my terms. Um, you know, I didn't follow a coach, uh, you know, coach myself, but um, I didn't listen to some of the advice of people limiting um, what they thought I was able to do. Cause I, I can't tell you how many times people told me you can't go out that fast. You can't try to run with them. I had uh, actually, this is, this was actually big Our buddy, Aaron Newell, um, I was talking before the race and talking about strategy, what to do. And, you know, at the time I was like, Hey, I'm just going to kind of go out with woods. I'm going to hang off him kind of expecting at this point, he probably was going to lead the race and then, uh, you know, make a move at some point. Don't know when. And he was telling me I should have no business trying to go out with him because I'm just going to blow up because he'd be running five fifteens between the obstacles. And, when I got the lead in that race, um, if Aaron didn't tell me that, I probably my goal probably would have been to hold like a five forty to six minute because of the terrain. I would have never thought anybody could run faster than that. And if I did that, Woods would have caught me, no doubt. Um, but because Aaron told me that, that was in the back of my head, and uh, I kept looking at my watch, and that was a, I was shooting for that five fifteen in between the obstacles, which you, obviously you're not going to sustain that thing tire whatever half mile mile but if you're building your speed up and if you hit that peak speed in between the obstacle it's uh it's gonna be hard for someone to catch you in. so is that how you've trained for this race particularly uh ryan have you done your obstacles and then tried to get into your 515 pace knowing that's what's required to win this race um yeah so i do a lot of uh preparing for the race um the, the off season i you know i go through kind of an aerobic phase i do some hill training to strengthen my legs I get into an anaerobic interval phase and then I uh, move into um, kind of specifying for the race. And when I specified for the race, uh, it was a mixture of uh, intervals of, I I never, when I say intervals, I don't ever take time off running. Um, I guess you call it floating in between. I'm not sure, but yeah, so I'll do um, anything like ladders. I'll build up from one, two, three, four, five minutes um, and take time and a half off to let my body fully recover. Um, getting closer to the race, I'll do um, anywhere between 30 seconds and two minutes on full tilt at, you know, I'm running the trail, so it's only a, a 540 pace. Um, 
And then I'll try to, when I'm off floating, I try to keep it under seven minutes. You know, I'm not strict, um, but I try to keep it about that seven minute pace. Um, and that, that seems to translate well. Um, and then, um, Saturdays, I always do, uh, you know, something specific to obstacle course racing, not the race itself. You know, I'm not going to train specifically for an eight mile race because I'll beat the heck out of my body every Saturday, but, um, I'll do something where I do a half mile carry, um, running full speed, do some pull-ups on a rope, um, run a half, sprint a half mile, come back and I'll uh, repeat that. And then I always end those workouts with going a, a full tilt mile as if it's, you know, between the obstacles and trying to hit opening up. And, you know, it's more about being comfortable and uh, mm-hmm. having the confidence you can do that. Which is mm-hmm. 100%. So was the series always going to be um, y- your plan this year? Or <laughs> now? <laughs> now it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, now it is. Um, it, yeah, you know, I told my, I've never done the series. I've always jumped into some key races to see how I do. Um, and I said, you know, I'm, it's kind of time to do it. I'll commit to it. Not necessarily cause, uh, I wanted to do the series, but I do see Spartan going in a, in a better direction mm-hmm. with supporting the athletes and the sport, you know, even last year at this time, you know, you're looking at Tough Mudder having a competitive series and TMX, and you didn't know what actually mattered. You know, does it yeah. matter you do these national series races? I, I'm not really sure. Um, but this year, it's evident that you know this is this is what you got to do to be the best. Um, and especially because they made it mandatory to do the five races, you yeah. got to go to them all. Um, I think it's great for the sport. You know, it, it sucks. You know, we can't drop a race or anything like that just in case you get injured, but you know, for TV and sponsors and whatnot, every single one of these races is going to be stacked. And that's, uh, that's only going to help the sport grow. Um, but yeah, now I'm doing it. So, (laughs) but that, that field on Saturday was stacked. Yeah. And you come out on top, you must be like on cloud nine at the moment. So, (laughs) cause it wasn't like you've just turned up to a race and you know, there was five other guys mm-hmm. you just did not know who was going to win we were trying to predict it weren't we we were trying to do it and like the, even the women me luke and jack all had different top threes yeah you oh, just couldn't win, pick the it field was all blown up with the obstacle failure we still don't know who's the best racer yet i mean obviously <laughs> she proved it but you know you still don't know where all these other girls are this year because of the failures yeah it's going to make for an interesting series on the male and female front. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, are you going to make it to West Virginia as well and Tahoe? Are they in your schedule? Yeah, West Virginia is my abs- uh, second to Killington. It's my favorite race of the year. Um, it just brings all of all the the different types of Spartan races into one race. You have your flat, mm-hmm. your mountain, your your technical terrain. You know those open fire roads you run on. Um, so that by far is one of my favorite races and, um, hope to do well there, but, um, Tahoe, uh, this will be the first year, I think, uh, even before this race that I will actually focus on training for it. I've never actually Mm -hmm. prepared for it. Um, I don't think my fitness was ever there. Um, last year I felt okay going into it, but, um, you know, I flew in at, I think six o'clock the night before and, you know, I did Killington two weeks before and it just, you know, you, you either have to be acclimated to the altitude and running out there in that dry climate, or you have to be, you know, like an Atkins or a Woods or a Killian who are just their fitness and aerobic capacity is so much higher than any of ours that, you know, even if they didn't necessarily acclimate, they can go out there and even Alvin go out there and, you know, they're just so fit that it makes kind of makes up for it and they can get by uh, yeah. without that acclimation. But I, I can't. <laughs> so yeah. I do after Killington's this year, I plan on going out to either Colorado or um, maybe Tahoe, California for two weeks just to get used to being out there and get some runs in at that altitude. So I can, I've never done the race and mm-hmm. actually like, I guess technically raced it. You know, yeah. I've only raced like portions of it and then literally blown up, cramped up, dropped out, DQ'd, so Ooh. on. So, <laughs> no, is, yeah. your, um, is your brother out in Colorado at the minute with Hunter? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They live, 
Yep. They're living, uh, they got a house together in Boulder, um, Colorado, which every, they have everybody out there. So it's him, my brother, Hunter, uh, Isaiah, 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 Ken, Dylan, Miragula, uh, short TMX stadium guy. Um, Nicole Miracle, Nell yeah. Roas is out there. Rhea's out there. Killian's out there. Um, Mac Roche just moved out there. Uh, Johnny Lunalima just moved out to Boulder. Yeah, I see he's moved back, isn't he? Yeah. yeah so he had a good race, didn't he? Yeah, he had a great race. Um, you know, he's been – he's young and uh, he's getting older now, but he's he dealt with some injuries early on. But he has an incredible – I mean, his first or second race he ever did was Tahoe three or four years ago and he came in, a, I think got 10th or something like that. So he has an incredible natural uh, gift of running mountains and having a pretty high aerobic threshold. And um, I think he's just trying to figure out how to put it together in these big races. And I think he'll get better as the year goes on for sure. Um, and especially when the hill, the courses get a little more mountainous, get some elevation there. I think he'll do really well. Yeah, 100%. Um, you mentioned it a little bit there before about Ryan Woods' DQ. What was the um, what was the word on the street down at the uh, sort of your guys' opinion? It sucked. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a um, – you know, the punishment doesn't fit the crime, basically. Uh, you know, you, you relate it back to, all right, Atkins was DQ'd, and was it two, three years ago for the rope climb? But at the same time, at that time, that disqualification didn't take him out of the series because it was still yeah. best four or five. Yeah. Um, but my, my argument is – I'm not questioning it was a – you know, it was right because technically in the rule book it was right. You know, he should have been DQ'd. It's right there. I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is if you're going to have these rules in the rule book, that, um, you know, anybody going up that A-frame, every single one of us have grabbed the truss. You know, you can pick out people who put their foot on the horizontal one in this race or other races. Um, and it's just, you know, he's going head-to-head with a guy, full tilt. Like, you're just – the instinct is take the, the easiest route. And that's – now, it's right there in front of you. It's not like uh, it's not like it's the top of the Z-wall or the, the top of the helix where it's blatant. It's, it's right in front of you. You're like – you just miss your hand on the on the netting, you're gonna you're gonna hit it. Um, so my point is, like, if you need to officiate this, and at that given moment, you have to tell him you need to go back and do the obstacle because you messed up. So that's fine. You know, he got an advantage, and he would have been punished from it, and you know, he would have ended up what third place still. You know, so th- that that hurts. You know, yeah. should he have read the rules? You know. Yeah, but even if you knew that rule, that in the heat of the moment, are you going to grab that? Or are you not going to grab that? I don't know. Because what's annoying I, is afterwards they they showed a video of um, you did definitely, but I think I think it was Woodsy, uh, not Woodsy Kent. Mm-hmm. I think he didn't go through one of the waters. He went around the outside, and now they're making a big hoo ha about. There's quite a few athletes that didn't go through the water, you know. So, like I say, it seems to be one rule for one and another rule for another. The problem yeah. is, I think if if Woodsy got DQ'd for that, they should have gone. They needed to go back and check the footage of every single obstacle for every single athlete, yeah. so that the same is applied. Well, that, so, that's the problem. There is the consistency. Mm. Um, yeah, and the only thing that is consistent with all these all these times that these athletes have been DQ'd or they've been called out, the only thing consistent here is that they've reacted to a social media outcry or, or base, you know, it's not, they're not consistently checking some of these, these, these minor rules, um, which it, the sport's growing, it's learning, it's fine, but it's just, it's a, it's a the bottom line is it's a shame and it, it ruined his year. Mm. Yeah. Does that mean he's now serious? Is it physically impossible for him? To- <laughs> no. Um, he could come back and win every single one. And you'd have to hope that, some yourself or other people drop races as well um technically he could win it without us dropping races just he wouldn't have to he wouldn't do well because of the way the points are set up with that yeah, it, like 40 40 put point drop winning a race puts you in a, a significant advantage as long as you stay within the top top five the rest of the season five or four yeah no pressure ryan yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it up. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know, I haven't talked to him much since, but you know, I hope he, 
Yeah. I, I hope he just comes back with a vengeance and tries to do it and you know, tries to just keep putting it out there. And, um, you know, it would be a big, big chip on my shoulder if that happened to me. I know that. So past the series, Ryan, what else have you got booked in for this year? What else are you looking at? Um, well, I'm fortunate living in, uh, the New England in, uh, in the Northeast, the, it's basically where Spartan races started. You know, they, they're, uh, their headquarters are in Boston. So there are, I, I could probably count, I don't know, 15 to 20 races within four hour driving distance for me, four to five hours. So I'll do the series. And then, uh, you know, the bigger races, I'll jump into the Vermont Mountain Series race because it's, I grew up there, actually, um, right down the road. And I'll do the, the New Jersey one at the end of the year, and I'll jump into the Fenway Stadium Series. But there's a bunch of local races I'll be in there as well. Um, but other main focus would be uh, the OCR North American Championships in Vermont as well. Um, that's an awesome venue. It's in Vermont again, so it's home state. Uh, I'd like to do really well there. Um, it's a really cool venue and, uh, the obstacles suit me well. So I'm excited. Hopefully more guys come out this year. Um, you know, we had, there's a lot of great competition there last year, especially the Canadians came down and, and put up a great, I mean, they just keep getting better and better. Um, pretty amazing. That maple syrup. <laughs> it's, the, it's the maple syrup and freezing their butts off in the entire winter. And they're just tough as nails. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so what would you say your sort of um, best obstacles are? What, what's your sort of strengths then, Ryan? Uh, my best strength is probably the tactical running. I'm running in the woods, uh, water, whatever it may be. Um, I guess coming from more of an athletic background and uh, living in Vermont, literally growing up in the woods, you know, running around in the woods all day, it's uh, – it's natural for me. It's not a challenge and there's no sense of fear running full bore through the woods. Um, so I, I believe I have an advantage over, um, even someone that's fast with me when it comes to, uh, that part. Um, I may not, I don't know if I'm the fastest at all the obstacles. Um, but I, I, I'm comfortable attacking them in and out. So I think if, I think there's a lot of guys that would beat me if we just measured our speed on the obstacle, but if you measured our speed a hundred yards into and a hundred yards out of the obstacle with the obstacle, I, I think I can beat most people. Um, I, maybe it's a fearlessness, confidence. I'm not sure, but um, I take pride in going in quick and out quick and trying to put some pressure on the competition at that point in the race. Mm. Uh, what did you do before OCR? What was your, before obstacle horse racing? Yeah, yeah, before that. Yeah. Was it in college you were a basketball player? Yeah, so I grew up... And a coach, weren't you? Yeah, so I grew up uh, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse player. Um, continued to play basketball uh, just one year in college. Um, after that, I, even though I wasn't on the team, I played a lot, about two, three hours a day, so maybe that's where some of my aerobic fitness comes from. Uh, graduated college, uh, kind of lost all the competitive side of me as far I just didn't have anything to do at that point besides that I guess I put my passion into coaching um, I trained mostly youth and collegiate athletes um, and then I also ran a, uh, a club basketball team for four years put a lot of effort and weekends into that um, no running uh, started off course racing in uh, I don't know I think the first one was 2013 or something with my brother and uh, about a year in, I, I was experiencing a lot of pain and ended up undergoing hip surgery. Um, wasn't from running or obstacle course racing. It was pre-existing from either college or high school, but I had a labral tear in my hip. Um, and the acetabin, which is the socket of the hip, was actually got dug out. It was like a 12-millimeter chunk dug out of my hip. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... My brother and I got into this. We saw like we we're kind of good, and all of a sudden I was taken out of it right away. Um, so I had surgery 2015, 2016. I kind of came back-ish. I didn't really start running till I guess May of 2017, um, and that first year was uh, between three and 15 miles a week. Um, and then the beginning of last, yeah, beginning of last year was the volume started going up not really up, but for me, 
to about, um, I don't know, maybe probably max at 28 miles a week. Um, that was big for me. And then this past, uh, really last summer, I'd started uh, being able to consistently run. And, and the honest truth is, even though I kind of look like a runner, coming from an athletic background, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but I despise runners. Um, I just thought it, <laughs> like, you come from ball sports, you know, running is, you grow up playing football, you see the cross country team running around the track, like, they're, you know, they're both, it's boring. Like who wants to do that? Like when, when you play ball sports, running is the last thing you want to do. You think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, probably because it's punishment in for coaches for most <laughs> sports. Yeah. You do something bad, you run. So it's kind of ingrained that this, this sucks. So it actually wasn't until I think August or September of last year, um, I guess building a consistent base. Finally, I started finding a, a passion for running. I started enjoying it. I think I actually started falling in love with obstacle course racing. And I and I got rid of my, I think, pre-existing dreams of playing professional basketball. You know, because even though I was done playing after college, you know, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, that's all I loved. I, I had so much passion. I slept with a basketball. That's all I did all day. And, I wonder if you get excited. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I kind of – I kind of, I guess I relived that or continued that dream through coaching and teaching kids and mm -hmm. it was kind of holding on to it. And really last year I got rid of that and my passion really started switching from that to the running and obstacle course racing. And that made a, a big difference in consistency of training yeah. um, and in, enjoying it. Uh, Cause you know, you got to love what you got what you're doing day in and day out because it's not, this sport isn't easy. Like it's not necessarily fun to go on some of those runs, you know, when it's 10 degrees out or you got to go do an interval session when your legs are tired for an hour. Like that stuff. It's today, not, Jack, us yeah, today. So. I've just done one. You see my face and burnt myself. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, the coffee helps before or some pre-workout, but you know, it's tough to get that motivation. I mean, the reason why you do it is because when you race and you, you finally put all that work and accumulates to whatever your goal was, that feels really good. And it's, and that's, I guess that's what you sacrifice. Especially when you win. Especially when you win. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, but it made it a lot easier having, uh, being passionate about this sport and running and not, not despising the running aspect of it. So that was a big switch for me. We, um, don't offend anybody with that. No, no, no. We know what you mean. We know what you mean. We know what you mean. We're like OCR runners are completely different to club runners, I would say, especially road club runners. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they look at you and you look at them. You've got your spurt and t shirt on, and you've got their, you know, little like three inch short split shorts on. You know, I don't know. Um, funny, we had the Danes on a couple of weeks ago on one of the podcasts, and they were saying that the having two friends like race together and train together really helped. And then we looked yeah. back at all the people. Do you think being your brother, being same age, coming up through the same thing really helped you? Like you rivalry. Right. Yeah. A good rivalry. Yeah. So, um, growing up, um, my brother, I mean, he's a pretty big bulky guy now and he's strong as heck and he's put on a lot of work for that. Uh, he, he was, he was shorter than he was now and he was very, uh, he was very small. You know, I'm I'm not big either, but he was smaller than me in high school playing football and basketball. And um, I was I was always the older, bigger, stronger, I guess, quote, quote, better brother in come sports. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the trash talk. Like <laughs> well, I'm just going to add him in the call. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, and, and he knows that. And we came out and when it came to obstacle course racing, he actually, I followed him into it. So maybe, you know, my whole life, you know, he probably looked up to me and kind of followed me around with the sports I did. When he, he started racing, I was still working at time. He committed full time and, or at least doing it competitively full time in 2015. Um, and I did maybe one or two races. Uh, and it switched. Uh, he was whooping my butt. He was stronger, faster, more fit than I was. And um, so I was chasing him around. And we just, you know, we kind of had this dream of taking over obstacle course racing. Um, and then the injury happened, obviously, and the, the rebound from that took much longer than expected. Uh, but once we got done, like the motivation was always to, again, beat Matt. You know, that's you know, the other competition is great that you have them on your sites, but that 
competing with your brother, your family, uh, it's, it's different. Um, it, it maybe because you're with each other all the time, but it's a combination of you want to beat them, but you also want to push them. Um, and when we race, it's not like we want to kill each other. Like we're motivating each other to pull each other along. We pass, you know, if one passes the other, you try to encourage them. Let's go, let's go catch this, you know, the next pack. Um, and I think that's important in the sport. And Matt, Matt said this early on, um, which, and he had a really good point. It's something we've believed in since basically day one racing is this isn't, you know, I played basketball, football. You literally want to kill the other guy. You know, you just, you don't like the other team and it's, it's war, you know, it's just, especially football. Like you literally are trying to take each other's heads off. Um, in this sport, you can't really hate the guy next to you because you're going to see him next week. Them. You're going to see him next week, but you're running with him for an hour on a course and you're, you're <laughs> literally bleeding, sweating, crying, whatever it is together for an hour straight and it creates a pretty incredible bond mm -hmm. and it's it bodes well to talk to each other during a race and help each other out like it's silly you're gonna go out there and just be silent for an hour i mean like <laughs> you're a talker right. you're one of those guys that talks to everyone else <laughs> while, yeah. he's, while he's running five fifteen minute mileage exactly yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think it's really important you know i i turn around whether they're behind me or ahead of me like how many you know Actually, uh, Woods is pretty good at it. You know, I, I'll yell to him, like, let's go, encourage him, and he'll back. And uh, Atkins, for as quiet as he is sometimes, he's, um, whether I've been 10 spots behind him on a buck or whatever, any time I've tried to encourage him, he's always encouraged back. And that's, uh, um, it's nice seeing that. Some guys don't. Some guys won't talk to you. <laughs> so, um, I don't, I mean, whatever, but I think it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> It helps out on the course. It's not an easy sport to do, so encouragement it definitely helps. It is, and I'll, I'll tell you the strategy point. The second side of it is I've always done it. You find out where the person is next to you, especially the start of the race. You start <laughs> chatting them up a little bit. You find out real quick whether someone's out of breath or not. And if that's, yeah, that's you find out where they are, but I mean, mentally, if you're talking to them and you're not like sweating, you're not breathing hard, you know that's going to get in their head if they're sitting over there huffing puffing. You know, they're going to think twice about what they're trying to do to hang with you. There's a little you, you say you are not a runner or you've just oh. only just started the endurance, but, but I don't know if you've watched the live feed, but the, uh, the commentators were saying that the most fluid runner to watch on that course was you. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, I, I was really proud of that. I take a lot of pride in, uh, I guess, moving well. I, the, the training methodologies I practice are based on principles um and oh what's the name of it I looked it up on your thing and uh, I can't it began with b and I was yeah, gonna ask yeah. what so is that the Berdenko method founded by Dr. Igor Berdenko um he's former Soviet Union Russian he came over to he's actually in the Boston area um and, and it's not the the end-all be-all it's not the way I do things it's the the method has taught me principles and taught me to um uh, pull from um, many different resources but it is based on principles and it it's about progressive movement um and putting the body through uh complex coordinated patterns um not to it, it's not about doing the movements well it's not about quote unquote moving well it's about challenging yourself um challenging your brain to try to figure out how to move differently and what it does is it brings about much greater body awareness and you know if you're aware of what you're doing you can fix it you don't have to do a million repetitions of something if you have great i guess a, or kinesthetic awareness of your body um so i i take a lot of private pride in that um and i've been working on that for years and i basically i knew from day one i am not gonna compete with these guys uh, as far as the time they put into training, um, all the running miles, all the other additional aerobic stuff. And they're, I mean, look, Woods has been running for what, 25, 30 years? Like, I've been running two and a half years. There's no way I'm ever. That's crazy. I still can't get my head around that. How old are you, yeah. Ryan, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 30. Right. Um, okay. So you're saying Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So, you so know, like, I had to figure out, all right, like, how can I cut this down? And I, I do the. The Bredenkema is deep in, in uh, deep water and land training. Um, the water, basically, flotation bell, I guess, 
aqua jogging is the term for it, but we do different movement patterns and it. It allows me to train harder because it deloads my body. Um, and I try to maximize how my body moves and try to be as efficient as possible and have the most power developed from my toes all the way up through my hips and my upper body. And if I can be out there and not technically not have to work as hard as those other athletes, then, mm-hmm. you know, theoretically, I don't have to have as big of the engine as them. Um, I, now, there's two parts of this. You know, not everybody could do that and come in and have the same success as I did because, one, I came from, you know, football and basketball where I developed an extremely high ability to have uh, a lot of plyometric power in my lower body. So that translated really well. Um, also, my leg speed coming from those sports I've, you know, a lot of runners come in and, and the biggest challenge they have with speed is getting that turnover. Um, I mean, I can turn my, my cadence over in the middle of a race, you know, to 240, you know, steps a minute, no problem, you know, for how long, who knows, but a lot of people can't do that. So those qualities were translated pretty well. And then my brother and I actually grew up, my dad uh, runs a construction carpentry business and i grew up in vermont doing manual labor until i was 22 um and if for everybody who's done any type of manual labor you go out and work eight ten hours a day lifting things around and just moving stuff um it's exhausting and if you can do that it makes going hard for an hour to two hours in a race pretty easy um so that mental side of things and the ability to um just endure the pain has uh, has always been there for me based on um, just my, my childhood experiences. Um, I'm, right. I'm right in thinking you wear uh, Vivos and have a minimal shoe as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do wear the Vivos for, um, for people who don't know whether they're a European brand. Um, they're Jack the, loves his Vivos. The best shoes in the world. That's what they are. Yeah, they're, they are. They're, uh, maybe two millimeters thick. Um, they're completely pliable. You know, there's no support whatsoever in them. Um, I love them on a a course like Jacksonville where it's muddy and soft and flat. Um, I mean, everybody knows like when you're a kid and you go outside and you run on the grass barefoot, you feel a lot faster. We used to play football um, on the grass barefoot. I mean, you used to take your shoes off because you were quicker barefoot with no shoes. And, uh, you know, I was skeptical at first. Like I, I, been wearing them for training for about a year and a half. Um, but I wasn't really sure how it would go, but I, I mean, I got to a point where it just feels right. And, um, they're so minimalistic that they, they don't have any cushioning really in them, um, as far as fabric. So even in the water, they fill with water right away, but after one or two steps, the pressure of your foot literally shoots the water out and they're like dry as a bone. So I'm never carrying around that extra weight. Um, I, I will say I can't wear them for a race like Tahoe um, or things on a, a rockier terrain, not not because of flat ground running, not because of fear of stubbing my toes, but it's a downhill running. Um, that's another one of, uh, I, I think one of the advantages I have on most of the field is I, I have quick feet so I can run pretty fast downhill, but it hurt, like you're slamming your feet on the ground when you're running those paces downhill and I can't run the same speed and it's not healthy on your body. My body hates me for doing it, but, um, it's what it takes in a race. So, uh, you know, I did it where I'm in Killington last year, but like Tahoe, you got to have something with cushion under your feet. So, so a personal question, what shoe would you go to then for a, a mountain? Um, well, I've mixed it up in the past, but I've actually been working a little bit with and using the VJ shoes. Um, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I keep trying to say to Jack about VJs. Yeah. Um, I love them. Because I've wear Vivos now and I wear them for everything from yeah. play to racing to training. I now struggle to wear any other shoe because my foot splays so much. If I yeah. get in any other shoe, it feels so tight. It I wore Innovate for Morzine last year and I lost two toenails. Yeah, so that's a problem I have too, and it, it, it sucks because you're 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 little used to your feet being comfy, yeah, and then they hurt a lot. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I look at it as you know, I try to wear them in training because I, I want the benefits of strengthening my feet, and I like the way it feels. 
But when it comes to a race, you know, it's like anything, you need the proper equipment to protect yourself. Um, the, the VJ shoes, um, what I've liked about it, one of them, they're, they're pretty tough, um, but they lock my foot down pretty well without like suffocating my feet, which is big for translation from the V because the Vivos, they're soft on your feet and they don't cut off anything. Like they're just there. Um, and some shoes you go to tighten them and it's, it's like you're having a tourniquet around one, one or multiple parts of your feet. The VJ shoe has some sort of strapping system with the laces and it, it feels pretty comfortable. My, and my heels locked in pretty well mm-hmm. while maintaining some room. And, uh, the, the honest truth is the grip are it's pretty damn good on them. Like I didn't, I got a pair to test out and I'm like, yeah, well, I'll give them a real, like it'll be okay. Like we'll see how it goes. And no expectations going in. And I was pretty surprised. Like they literally grip to anything. I don't know how they, yeah. like, like I came from the Vivas, which use a very high quality rubber. And that's really what it's about. It's using high quality rubber and shoes. And if you do that, they're going to grip to things. And I, I don't know what they put in. They got like little micro spikes in there or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I remember getting, have you got the extremes or just the IROX? Have you got the funky uh, bright green and red yeah, ones? Yeah, the, the or... bright ones I have. Yeah, yeah. I uh, got them end of last year. Put them on my kitchen floor and an all pair of shoes, which just moves, and they didn't move. You just be pulling them and they yeah. just stick to your kitchen floor. I know. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you know, and the, the real reason I wanted to test them out was um, basically because Alvin and I have a similar body type. But I'm not like I'm pretty skinny. I'm only 145 to 152 pounds, depending on what day. And Alvin's about that same size. And uh, there's not many athletes in the sport are of similar sizes. So I figured, you know, maybe maybe he's got a similar foot and it probably maybe it fit my foot well. Because the other shoes, I don't – it's not many other shoes I like, like as far as the trail running shoes. Um, the ultras are comfy. They're the closest to a Vivo as far as mm-hmm. – but, like, they're – your foot's kind of sloshy in them. And, like, I don't want – foot around like and filling with water and all other stuff and the other ones had, like you said are very restricting i had a look at the ultras are because i am listening to you jack mm-hmm. um and a lot of ultra runners use the ultras but looking at them they look like massive clown shoes so yeah, they're just because they're not as bad as you think i've got the mt the mountain mts yeah and they are quite nice. They do lock, and they've got the Velcro. That's why I like them because I'm, I'm shit at laces. So the Velcro is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't surprise me. He can't call them. Yeah, that's what they're not. You control you three. <laughs> uh, so so you're not um, you're not wanting to come to the UK then, Ryan, to give out the old um, world worlds, OCR worlds. Uh, I, I am. If I can get someone to pay for my flight again, I will come. Um, yeah. And I was what, actually what was your what was your what was that? So would you would you put yourself more as the three k, fifteen k, hundred meters? I don't. What would be? Uh, I don't know yet. Um, you know, honestly, if you do well at the three k, I think you can do good at the fifteen k. Um, I think just how it is. You know, there's still these aerobic efforts. You know, just one's a little bit longer than the other. Um, you know, it is a flat course, and uh, like I said, I've always. I wouldn't say I've graded obstacles, but they've never been a problem for me besides some of the heavier stuff that they've had to train for. Like Matt and I came into the sport and everything was a breeze. Like didn't really fail anything. So um, I think I would have a, hopefully be able to hang with all the Europeans. I've heard they really, some, some guys who weren't even great runners blew away some of the guys from the U S pretty easily last year. Just, based on I think it's more the terrain actually Ryan I think it was I think people got confused because it's very English it's very mud boggy yeah Uh, so that uh, I'll bring that up I love that being in the northeast our races are muddy technical they're in the woods there's they're not they're not flat everything's tough Um, and that's why you know this Jacksonville race might not be a good indicator of anything later in the year because those west coast athletes they're they're used to running on a lot of hard packed dry pretty nice climates even the ones in colorado their trail system is amazing um but it's not muddy it's not grassy and when they get on that like that sucks so much power out of you um and if you're not used to 
doing that, it's uh, it's a severe disadvantage. Well, I spoke to Atkins straight after the race, and that is exactly what he was saying. He wasn't yeah. used to the running. He just yeah. said it got to him, and then when it was in his head, then he just, like, obviously, then he came seventh wherever he came. He just wasn't happy, but, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey guys, that's another thing with this series. Like, I, you know, I did well, but, you know, nobody knew I was going to do well. I really – I shocked everybody in the middle of the race, and I guarantee you I've run out front with these guys before with Woods and Atkins. And every single time, my history is I've blown up in the past because of the mileage or the fitness wasn't there. So I, you know, I didn't talk to them about it, but I guarantee you in the back of their mind, they were trying to think critically about the, you know, what's going on in the moment. And yeah, sure, Ryan, like, yeah, go ahead, run ahead of us. You're just going to blow up and we'll pass it later. I'm sure that was part of it. You know, now that maybe I've gained some of the respect that I can run those paces, after that sandbag carry, if Atkins knew that, uh, I wouldn't be surprised um, in hindsight, him having that knowledge, if he would have pushed ahead of me and really, you know, put that gap with Kent and Woods behind us. I'm not sure, but um, I know if I was a racer in that circumstance, I would after having the knowledge. So uh, Alabama will be a much better gauge where everybody is this year. You know, I think everybody's going to start training specifically for that race. Um, they're going to come in their off season. We all know. Uh, where everybody is as far as the guys' field, not so much with the girls' field. Um, so I think that's going to be more of the jockeying for position, and uh, I would expect it to be a pretty serious battle down there. When's Alabama? Three weeks. Three weeks. Oh, not long. Uh, What's the course like in Alabama? Is it, again, kind of a flatterish course? It's flatterish. I've heard flatter-ish. from the directors. Flatterish. Flatterish. <laughs> Technical term. Flattery. Uh, I've heard from the directors that it is much more muddier and swampier. Mm. You're happy. You're happy. I'm very happy. Uh, So it will be interesting. I think, Um, I think it'll probably be a little bit cooler there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't like, I'm I'm little and I get cold really quick. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's the other point of uh, OCR world is I don't know how I do because I like, everything's great when it's warm, but when my hands start getting cold, I, you know, that's where I start having issues on obstacles and running. Yeah. See, so. Jack, it's not a mental thing. Yeah. No, you know, you mowed in the summer when it's like 28 degrees out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody used to say, you know, oh, being cold's mentally, but when you're don't have a lot of body fat in your body and it gets cold, like it's, it's, bone chilling it's not yeah not like oh it's cold no i, I can't my hands are not functioning. <laughs> you need to yeah. your brother you need to go get on the weights with hunter and just no. well, he, and he won't run as fast tells me to toughen up and like suck it up i'm like dude like it's not the same you got this like <laughs> dude around you that's keeping you warm <laughs> was, was your brother with matt was he at the world's last year watching uh yes he, he was, was there wasn't he yeah. I, I i need to apologize to him i was so rude to him right so we were running out <laughs> watching album <laughs> And he was me. following me, and he, well, I think, I was not with you. And yeah. he shouted at me, um, do you know who's in the lead? And I sort of turned around and went, oh, I don't know, and ran off. And it wasn't <laughs> afterwards, I was like, I think that was Matt Kempson. <laughs> I just, <laughs> <recorded>. <laughs> but he was there with his sunglasses on, and I think he was watching Benny Gifford or someone, I think. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It have been there a while then. Yeah, his friends were actually out there visiting, so he like kind of doubled up as kind of a, trip to go see his friends and just he decided to watch instead of race last year because you they, they were so focused on the tmx that like they were in no no shape or business to be on the run with anybody in that course but he actually has a lot of he has a lot of confidence this year that he can um do extremely well both in the 3k and 5k 15k in in london um nice. It's going, to, it's going to be interesting this year because we obviously had it there last year. I think people now are going back and going, right, okay, we know it's like this. We know it might be cold. We know it's less. I think people are actually training for it specifically. So I think we're going to get, because it's a bit disappointing because a lot of Americans decided not to come out because it being UK. Yeah. But I think, I mean, we, we didn't even know what it was going to be like. You know, it could have been, yeah. it could have been awful. But fortunately, yeah. it was good and they put on a good event and it was weather was lovely. It was typical. Yeah. Can't control typical, that. Uh, summer weather so it was okay you know that was uh, that was kind of a deciding fact I actually had a flight booked and then cancelled it It just we didn't know what it was going to 
be like, you know, mm -hmm. because the past years have been primarily Americans racing and, you know, was, you know, were we going to go over there and get our butts whooped? Was it going to be, con because when the venue changes it'd be, and it basically is a whole new race being over there mm -hmm. is basically, was it going to matter? Like, are we going to look back and say the winner of that was, you know, one of the best racers, or are we going to look back saying it was, you know, maybe a disaster race. They shouldn't have moved it over, you know, yeah. None of us really know, but I think like, I think it was a it was great. I think whoever did well over there was and it kind of showed um, diversity and that that's it's different than Tahoe, but it's still obstacle course racing. And mm -hmm. I mean that's what obstacle course racing is. Nothing. There's no there's there's no normalities throughout the courses. You know, it's about being um, having the variety and being able to adapt these. You know the mountain course, the flat course, you know, uh, all mm. the different variables. And that's, you know, some people rag on the Spartan race series going more to the flatter courses, the first half. And then the bit, well, you got to prove you can do it everywhere. And that's going to show who's the best athlete when they just had the mountain series, mm. mountain races, it was good. Whoever won it was tough as heck and a great mountain runner, but it didn't necessarily mean that, you know, no. they're the best at everything. Best Spartan race. Well, before we let you go, right? Before we let you go, um, go for your run or whatever you got planned. Do you know roughly what the Spartan weights are? As in, what would the bucket? Yes. What do you reckon the bucket weighs, and what's your hoist weight? Yes, I actually um, just asked Mike Morris about this. Uh, you should clarify. They'll 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 share it with you. Um, but I do know it's based on the distances. So I know in a super, the hoist is supposed to be 90 pounds. Yeah. And then in the beast courses, they're, they're, the way they're scaling is the longer the race, harder everything is. Mm. The beast courses, I think he said the hoist is supposed to be 110 pounds. Right. Um, I believe the buckets, I'm not sure. I know they were about 65 to 75 pounds originally when we had to fill them up, mm -hmm. but I don't think they're filled up and we filled them over the top of the holes. Now they may only be filled up to the holes or slight below. They definitely seem lighter. I don't mm. think they're as heavy as they, they once were. Um, plus they're using the same, uh, the, the, the same materials of just rocks. You know, they used to have the dirt and the more dirt it's, it's, uh, Compact. it's more dense. Compacted. Yeah. yeah. And it, it would be a lot heavier and sometimes it'd be moist. Um, the sandbags I believe are 75 pounds for the men. Um, I think the women's are fit 45 or 50 pounds. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. No, still pretty weighty. And they're supposed so to be basically this year. Your beast course weights. I've just worked this out because pounds are kilo. Blah blah blah. Um, your beast weights are our everyday rate, and we still lift more because we have this thing. Like when we get and what to say you are. 160 pounds? 145. Well, okay, I'm 150 something. Luke's about 160. Natasha's about 10. When we get to those hoists, honestly, it's like not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. And then it works out we've got like 50 to 55 kilo bloody hoists mm -hmm. and 15 mil rope to lift that up with. That's hard. And they won't, yeah. On like a five mile long and just <laughs> back breaking. And we're like, we're sure the Americans don't have to put up with this shit. Luke did Tahoe last year, and he said he lifted that bucket and hoist like it was nothing. <laughs> Europe. That and the spears. It was so easy. It was like that. <laughs> like, so. Our spears apparently are further away. Yeah, I, I think it needs to be. They're, they're too darn close. Like, if you can't oh, hit a spear that's like 10 yeah. As a 30 foot. Away, as a 30 like, foot. You know, I, I don't know. It just makes us all better athletes for when we go to Tahoe. This is great. And better. Yeah, but then we can't run up bloody hills, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't got any hills to run up. <laughs> or the right well, shoes, apparently. I'll show you guys with the the hoist was a, was that was my Achilles heel when I first started getting into the sport. Um, I actually had some pretty big races early on before I was fit that yeah, you know, I, I was not gonna win them, but I was doing, you know, in the top five to three and that's when from race to race, you didn't know what was happening. You didn't know how heavy they were and you go one race and they wouldn't, I remember Virginia, the, um, the NBC series race was at 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to it and we couldn't even touch the fence mm -hmm. and it's like a hundred, 110 pound bat. I'm like, I'm 145 pounds. Um, <laughs> uh, now you can't be at the fence. So that angle, yeah. uh, 
the leverage angle is getting uh, longer and it's heavier when you get to that point. I, I literally couldn't budget. And then um, stadium series until last year, most the the hoist you couldn't touch the fence either. Like they didn't even have a fence. Like you, they literally put a circle you had to stay in. Oh my gosh! I I couldn't, but I would jump up on the rope and hang from it, and I wouldn't budge. Yeah, We're in the same situation. They changed the rules in the UK and Europe to the point of where you can now put your foot on the fence to stabilize yeah. yourself. But in a stadium race, you're, it's down to the RD's safety. So if he thinks it's unsafe to do so, he can say no. If he yeah. thinks it's okay to do so, he'll say yes before the race. That makes so, sense. Yeah, the, the rules, I mean, if you read the rule book, you technically in the hoist over, you can do whatever you want, except for you can put both feet on the fence. You just aren't allowed to stand on that. Stand on it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come off the floor. So, yeah. yeah, which is thank God because. <laughs> <laughs> and while we're talking about the obstacles, how did you find the new ones in Spartan? So the Egg Beater, the Helix. What were your first thoughts with those ones? Um, it was the first time I was nervous going into them, not because of the challenge, but there wasn't an open house the night before, um, and they weren't allowing us to go on it. And they are there. You do have to think about them. I, I, I commend them that they look silly, but. There, there's so many options throughout the helix, um, and it's it's really slippery. That aluminum gets slick real quick. So, it it's not that it's failable, but it forces you to slow down a little bit. I definitely took too much time. Um, the beater, it looks like a silly obstacle, but when that thing's wet, it's. I mean, you saw mm. the the girls can't do it. I mean that that, that reach, yeah, that reach is really high. You know, um, don't you know, say that. I'm really sure. Yeah, you're gonna have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have a problem. Uh, you, you have the bottom line. You, you have to try to reach out and get momentum and just get up there. Um, and actually, uh -oh. talking to Mike Morris before the race, it's what they're talking about. It, it's the first obstacle that um, there's not multiple lanes for. There's only two lanes, and there's there's no rule against not being on the beater part at the same time oh my god thing, you can't shake that thing and affect someone else like that's part of the obstacle yeah um, maybe until someone falls off but it's interesting because it adds another component if you have multiple people there um you can go on that thing and rock someone off and it's it's all fair game i might do the vj effect and just leap lash air just jump and grab the post in the middle yep yeah, if it's dry. He says, he says that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, I can't do it. I'm doing burpees, 100%. But. Yeah, you know, it's, he says he did that, but I don't know how he didn't hit his head on the beater part. <laughs> yeah. So, VJ, we need a video. Show us. Yeah. yeah. When, he's, yeah. when he's not ill. Yeah, that obstacle stuff. But I, I'll tell you this. The hardest part about that Jacksonville race wasn't any of the obstacles it was the water they made us go through in the lake. Uh, all the running water was, t it was, they didn't show it, but when we're running through shin deep water, most of that race, but we get to the lake and it was probably 50 feet out and back. Mm. It was belly button deep water and Sandy bottom. And so this is less than a mile to go to the race. I and mean, we're pushing really hard and you can't like, it wasn't deep enough. You didn't really want to swim it. Um, you can move by basically power walking. But as soon as you let up, your body would stop. So Woods and I were actually in it at the same time. I think we we're like 45 seconds apart. But I mean, technically, we were like 30 feet away from each other. It took that long to do that part. of uh, We got out of that, and you have – I think we ran through the woods and right to the beater. But that was exhausting. Like, that was probably the most challenging. You're just so tired at the end, and you're trying – it's like it, – you know, I explained to my girlfriend, it, it was like that dream, like I'm trying to run away from someone, like the, the, the bad <laughs> and guy. You can't like, get away. And it's like you're in molasses, you're not moving. Like, and it's like I, you can't do it. You're literally walking. It's like this race, you're full speed, and then let's walk at slow motion. Mm -hmm. And he's behind <laughs> me. And, yeah, that That's was, one thing I um, was a bit disappointed about the live feed this time compared to others, is we didn't get to see much of the middle of the race. Yeah. You so kind of saw like 15 minutes of yours. 15 yeah. minutes the women and then the end. So, and that the girls, the second half was interesting. That's where people were failing things. And for the guys too, that's, um, you know, that's where Kent Atkins and Woods kept passing each other. Woods cut the gap to me to 10 seconds. We literally got on the, he got, was getting on the twister as I was getting off. We were really close. Um, yeah, we didn't see any of that. 
yeah, it was like, I mean, he sl- he actually slipped up a little bit and that's where the gap created at the end. Do you know my favorite part of the whole thing was when Lindsay Webster came up to the spear, took the, the tennis ball off the spear oh and then completely <laughs> missed. But anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, I, was, I, I watched a live feed after yesterday and those, those girls, not the rag on them, but they stand there forever at the spear, like 40, 50 seconds. I'm like, just throw it. Like, you could bump in that time. <laughs> yeah, either hit it or don't. <laughs> wasting so much time, you know. Is that, that because you guys are not training that? That makes sense. Is it because you physically are not doing spears? I don't know. I have a spear in my backyard, and I just, like, I don't even throw it at a target. I just throw it, and I want it to fly good. And if I can fly good, you just aim small. No, you got it, yeah. And you throw it hard. Um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's a mental thing. I approach it like a free throw from basketball. You know, maybe mm. that's, I've, I've had some success with it. but Yeah, you've yeah, got an unfair advantage there. <laughs> yeah, I don't Dude. know what uh, – why they can't figure that out? It's a spear. Uh, so, Ryan, is there any companies you want to give a shout out to that you're working with this year throughout the season? Shout out um, your own coaching business as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. Uh, you know, primarily work with athletes in person, but I do have a. Um, it's KempsonTraining.com. Um, I work with a handful of OCR athletes. I don't market it very much. Um, Basically, basically word of mouth because I train so much and I try to give them um, mm-hmm. the most attention possible. Um, companies, I'm, I have a few things in the work now. Um, I won't mm-hmm. shout out anybody, but I will thank um, a product I've been using for years. Good friends with the founder, um, Topperson Topical Biomedics has a has a product called Sports Screen. Um, they actually sponsored my brother and I early on, allowed us to get into race, and they funded all our travel and whatnot and, and made our dreams possible early on. Um, mm-hmm. We're not partnered anymore, but I'm very good friends with the founder and it's an amazing product. And if you look at, and maybe you guys have seen some of the, the pool training I do and the recovery and the hip stuff, um, the sports cream is a, is a big factor in that because it uh, helps to improve the micro, micro circulation of the body and basically helps to reduce some of the micro trauma um, from training and helps me recover a little faster. Not magnesium, is it? No, um, it's a it's a it's a botanical blend. Um, there's 17 active ingredients. Uh, there's um, there's Arnie. There's pain relievers in it. One of the major ingredients is actually. Uh, and this sounds silly. I'm like a stupid snake salesman, but uh, it's actually snake venom um, that they use because of the uh, enzymes in venom. Obviously, in a high dosage, is 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 can be lethal. But mm-hmm. when you blend it down into a, a homeopathic uh, formula, which is basically diluting something, um, the enzymes help. Uh, most importantly, treat the skin. Um, the skin is a very important organ in our body. Um, it has to do a lot with recovery and circulation and and regulating inflammation throughout our body. Um, so basically, you know, it helps improve microcirculation. Better microcirculation is to your body. And then, better your body can manage inflammation, reduce pain, help you recover faster. But anyways, the point being is I use that, you know, uh, about three times a day before and after training. And that's, it. it allows me to train harder and compete with these guys. And, you know, they don't sponsor me anymore, but um, they were a big part of uh, my journey to getting here early on. Excellent. And um, where can people find you? Is it on Instagram? Yeah. Primary Instagram, um, coach underscore Kempson. Um, I don't love social media, but I try to do my best to uh, just share what what I'm doing for training and um, just kind of my journey. Um, and it, it's fun interacting in those communities too. You know, everybody's so supportive in OCR. It's uh, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, positive too. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Ryan. It's been a pleasure to chat to you and good luck. Massive congratulations. Thank you very much, guys. I, I really appreciate that. And just want to thank everybody who's been supporting me over the you know years. Um, and, and I'll, you know, I want to give one last thanks to uh, like, well, my brother and my family, but uh, Ryan Woods, um, I share this to a few people, but um, to, through the injury and whatnot, you know, he's always been one to have a beer with me after a race and, He's a great friend of everybody, but he he was very um, upfront with uh, giving me a lot of confidence, saying I'm 
capable of doing this and I can, you know, if I trust my body, uh, you know, there's, I'll be able to accomplish things that the goals that I want to. And that's, um, you know, he's a great friend, but there's not a lot of top racers that are willing to um, empower someone like that, whether it was him just being nice, mm. a good friend, e- either way, that's, um, it takes a big heart to do that, to want your competition to do well and to instill that confidence. I mean, especially a lot of people, you know, kind of want to shoot you down when you get close to them. You know, they, they had that, that spotlight, but I really appreciate that from him. And, and that's a shame that his season got kind of wrapped up this year, but um, yeah, we'll he's be cheering both of you on Thank massively you Alabama. It. <laughs> It'll be fun. Hopefully uh, we can put on a good show the rest of the year. Dear. Ryan, thank you very much for your time. mate. Appreciate your efforts. Uh, good luck for the rest of the season, my friend. And uh, yeah, smash it. Thank you, guys. Hopefully, we'll see you guys over in London. Yeah, at Tahoe. <laughs> Peace out, guys. Bye. How do I pronounce your name? Thomas Van Tonder? Um, yes, that's the closest you're going to get to it. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, that's the closest I will get to it, for sure. Thomas <laughs> Van Tonder. This is Ryan Kent, and you've been listening to OCR Audio. Uh, I'm Ian Hosick, and you've been listening to OCR Audio.